This is Incredible Stories Podcast, Episode 13, The Women's Kingdom. Yeah, hoy hoy, everyone. It's time for another Incredible Stories podcast. I'm Josh Virla, your splendiferous host, and thanks for being here. So, what shall we talk about today? What indeed? Say, what comes to mind when I say the Amazons? Probably a fierce female-only warrior society of ancient times. But you know, there are female-focused societies today. And one such group, known as the Masao, center around a female-dominant household. And although men are present, their roles are greatly different than what you may think. Let's explore. The Masao, and that's spelled M-O-S-U-O, make up one of the 56 minority groups in China. And their numbers are around 40,000, give or take a couple thousand. Now, some perspective on that. The largest minority group in China is the Zhuang, and I hope I said that right. But the Zhuang number about 16.9 million, or about twice the population of Switzerland. That's crazy, right? But, but let's focus on the Masao and their 40,000, because their story of a female-centric society is truly fascinating. In a country where the birth of a female is often looked down upon, and in some cases women are abandoned as males are looked upon as more favorably, the Maso culture hold women up in high esteem, and girls are proud to be women, as they can do pretty much anything they want in their society. So for about 2,000 years, the people inhabiting the land and mountains around Lugo Lake in the Sichuan province of China near Tibet have lived in isolated and largely agrarian lifestyle. Recently, they have seen interest from the outside world being billed as a tourist attraction for being the Kingdom of Women. And one of the reasons they are referred to as this is because women are the ones whose family name get carried on. So here in America, for example, and most societies, the family name is your father's last name. But that is not the case here. This is quite the departure from the overall Chinese culture in general. Now the Masao are often called a matriarchal society because of this, but this is a bit of a misnomer, as a matriarchy is a society or government ruled by a woman or women. The, the state or region that the Masao live in are not politically ruled by women per se, but what they do represent is what is called a matrilineality. And, and this is when family descent is traced through the female line. The women are also a dominant force in Masao household and in family life in general. Now, there are other aspects in this society that give women most of the power and respect, and probably the most well-known is a type of marriage known as walking marriages. And this is the thing that gets them so much buzz. What really draws the tourists to them, and uh, allow me to illuminate this practice a bit for you. Now, the women of Maso society don't practice marriage as what we might think of it. 
Between the ages of 12 and 14, Maso children go through a ceremony called either the skirt-wearing ceremony for the girls or the trouser-wearing ceremony for the boys. Now, before this ceremony, both boys and girls wear pretty much the same type of clothing. So these ceremonies, or rites of passages, are held on January 1st in the lunar calendar. And during this ceremony, the boys and girls will stand in columns where they put their left foot on a slab of preserved pork and their right foot on a grain bag. Now, that sounds fun. I do that often in my free time. I mean, there's nothing like the feel of fresh pork between your toes. But this is meant to symbolize bountiful food supplies in the future. Okay, so the mothers will then help the girls put on their ceremonial skirts, and the uncles of the boys help them put on their ceremonial pants and broadswords. And remember the uncle part, because I'm going to touch on this later. Now, after the ceremony, the boys and girls are considered adults, and as such, the young women are given a room just for themselves in their family home. And this is a luxury not necessarily afforded to the other members of the family, especially the males. But, you know, at this time, the females are allowed to start dating and having babies. And that doesn't mean that they're doing it right away, but that's just they're now a woman, so they can go ahead and pursue being a woman. So this room is called uh, a flowering room. Haha. <laughs> uh, and this is when, uh, and this is a location where the women can invite a male of her fancy. Um, or male partners to visit her and have all the Netflix and chill sessions she likes. Now, after the night, the man then walks back to his home. Walk of shame? Well, no, not really. This is an accepted part of their culture and has no negative attachments. In fact, there is no real obligation required between the two parties. It's very open and free. Kind of neat, right? So, basically what's happening here is they don't enter into legal, burdensome arrangements and feel that when you're in love, go ahead and enjoy the sexual experiences of your chosen lover. And when you're not so much digging it, then an easy break is invoked and both parties move on to the next one. No biggie. The lover of the female's choosing is only permitted to see her when he walks to her house every night, hence walking marriage. Now, cohabitation of people in relationships does not really occur in this society, and these liaisons take place during the night as the daytime is dedicated to family duties. This arrangement only happens at night and always at the female's house. You see, because of the matrilineality, women own the houses and, as such, are head of the household. Each household is typically made up of the woman head of house, her brothers, and her children. Adult men live under the roof of the house owned by their mother or their sisters. Basically, they share this multi-generational home with the blood relatives of their mother. So, the Masao houses are set up to accommodate a common lifestyle. You see, they have a central courtyard, and the first floor is allocated to the livestock, such as water buffalo, horses, you know, farm animals. The main cooking, eating, visiting, and sleeping areas are communal, except for the boom-boom room allotted to the of-age daughters. But Josh, what happens when a young girl gets pregnant by one of her lovers? Well, she has the baby, and then that baby is raised by the mother and her family that live in the house. The women are responsible for the day-to-day -day life of raising a family. 
In fact, as soon as a young girl comes of age, she is taught the tasks and skills it takes to run the house. From housework like cooking, fire tending, cleaning, feeding livestock, and weaving, to finances. What the woman says goes. Now, I know what you're thinking. Josh, this sounds like a bad deal. The women do everything, and the man just lays around all day doing nothing, then goes and has no strings attached sex all night. Well, remember, this is a largely farming-based society, and those tasks women do, um, as their head of the household status, is pretty much the most important thing in their society. The women make all the major decisions, control the family finances. But the men don't get off scot-free. They are in charge of fishing and livestock stuff like slaughtering and bringing animals to market and preservation of meat. The Maasai are renowned for their dried pork, which can last up to 10 years. That's pretty cool. So they are also responsible for funeral ceremonies, and, and this is the only time when men will cook for guests. Or I should say, the only time when they're allowed to cook for guests. <laughs> So, I mentioned that when a woman has a baby, the father has no role in raising it. And while this seems like a life of leisure, men are expected to help raise the children in their family homes. That is, the homes that they stay in of their mother or their sisters. And the children raised in a household have this, quote, fatherly guidance of their uncles and cousins. Hence their involvement in the ceremonies that I had mentioned earlier, and other such rituals that they have. Okay, so after they spend the night with their lover, the men walk back home and raise the kids in their own household. They have little to no interaction with their own sons or daughters that they may have, but sometimes they do provide gifts to their baby's mamas and baby's mama's mamas, and these gifts will be things that help in household activities, which garners them favor in their lover's house. Men also have the unique role of being the shamanistic head of their religion, called Daba, which is an animistic religion. That is to say, they believe in things like animals, rocks, weather, etc. Everything has a spiritual life to it. So their responsibilities include carrying on the tradition and customs of the Masao people. As they don't have a written native language, it's mostly word of mouth through the Dabas which are both the name of the religion and the priest-like people that um, administer that religion. However, this belief system coexists with Tibetan Buddhism, which heavily influences their religious beliefs. But back to the difference between them and the majority of China. So, say, if a Chinese woman had a baby and was raised without a father, society would look down upon the woman, especially if the child acted wild, the Masao don't have this stigma. Also, having multiple sexual partners and children by different men does not have such negative perception. Now, that being said, because of the influx of tourism, the Masao women are commonly portrayed in Chinese culture as promiscuous and looking to seduce men to take as their lovers. Women who are not from the society are imported to work in brothels and made to look and seem like authentic Masao women but they are looked down upon by actual Masao. And, and who can blame them? I mean, why would you want someone in your town being an imposter, giving your society a bad name? 
Now, although promiscuity isn't frowned upon by the Macell Society, the women have leaned more toward long-term coupling with their walking marriages as a way to kind of distance themselves from the sex workers. Think of it as serial monogamy, which I think happens a lot in America and other countries too anyways. Now, curiously, having a walking marriage as a Maso woman with someone who wasn't from the Maso culture was once looked down upon by those in the community and punishments were often dished out to the person in the relationship, that is to the, the Maso woman in that relationship. Now, I did try to find specifically how people were punished in this instance, but I couldn't find anything. I'll just pretend it was as horrific as this. Suna, you have shamed the family by taking a man in walking marriage who is not myself. We shall punish you. Please, Councilwoman, have mercy upon me. I recognize my failure. Our punishment shall be as swift and forceful as your shame is heavy. Well, that doesn't sound good. I mean, I'm pretty ashamed. We hereby sentence you to three days of tremendous tickle experiences. <gasps> no! Not tremendous tickle experiences. That sounds horrible. Yes, we didn't fully consider the effect of alliteration. I suppose we could have went with a tremendous tickle torture or trials, maybe even time. Oh, wait, you mean the sentence itself? Um, yeah, what horrible fate have I to expect? Well, on the first day you shall be handcuffed via Chinese finger traps and lightly dusted upon your tummy by the feather of a crane for five minutes. No, not a crane feather. Couldn't we use a starling feather or something that I'm allergic to crane? Well, I suppose that'll be okay, but on day two... You will be down with T-T-E. Yeah, you know me! <sighs> On day two, you shall be forced to endure five rounds of this little piggy. No! Not the all the way home! Yes, all the way home and more! And on the third day, you shall be stripped down to your bathing suit, covered in honey ants and thrown into the anteater pen until they have eaten all the ants. No! I'll change! I'll change! Well, thankfully, this isn't so much the case today, and disapproval of such intercultural relationships is looked more upon with skepticism nowadays rather than, you know, that scornful disapproval that was worthy of punishment. Kind of a West Side Story-esque thing, I suppose. Alright, Josh. So, how did this unique culture come about in the first place? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me touch a little bit on some history and why this culture is how it is. Now, while this isn't the only matrilineal society in the world, its placement in China, surrounded by the complete opposite, is something a bit strange. It would appear on the surface that the men do little other than perform conjugal services, and women do all the real work. But this is based on how their society lived thousands of years ago. 
You see, Maso men were traders. They traveled many miles in caravans to trade with other groups of people. In doing this, the men were seldom at home, so the women were left to do all the household duties. In modern times, because the need for caravans is largely obsolete, males no longer have that prominent role. This was their main thing, and when that went away, their functionality changed. And as women were in charge of all that other stuff, it would be kind of like if you're a man in America and you no longer had to go into your job. But your significant other did. But their normal job was tending to the house. What would you do all day? Now, there's another aspect of how this culture sprung up. You see, the social organization of the Maasai was based on a feudal system. And a feudal system is where the lords ruled over the servants who worked their land. So the nobles in the Maso society practiced what was called a parallel line of descent. This means the nobles lords passed their status to their sons, and female nobility passed their status to their daughters. Okay, so if a male noble married a female commoner, her daughter would be a commoner. But if she had a son, he would be a noble. And this kept the power in the noble line. At least the, it kept power in the male line. Now, it is theorized that the noble class encouraged this intermingling of the lower classes with theirs because one, they, the nobles, passed the leadership through the male family lines, thus keeping control in the nobility. And two, the intermingling prevented uprising in the peasant class. This was because power flowed through the female line. So, you know, that makes sense to me. In the peasant class, men couldn't come to power. So the likelihood of a female uprising overtaking the nobility was pretty slim. So over time, the nobility disappeared, you know, conquests and such, while the peasant class never went away. Eventually, the system made for a unique culture of a female-centric society. But let's go back to modern times. In Maso society, it is taboo for women to speak about their sexual relations in front of men, but they do speak about it freely amongst the girls. For example, you know, they share stories and gossip about the men or whatever and kind of talk about their techniques and roles, and with outsiders, they'll explain to um, people who aren't from their culture what they will do, but woman to woman, right? So, for example, a, a woman, if she doesn't like a man or isn't interested in him in a sexual way, during the day, she will sing to that man, which I think is a lovely form of rejection. It really takes the sting off not being to one's liking. Instead of the ew, no, or I got a boyfriend bit, you get a pleasant melody. And you know, that's something I think everybody could use nowadays. Now, on the flip side, if she is interested, she may nonchalantly open her door for a man to enter her home. Her swipe right, if you will. Now, because of the lack of fathers, uncles are more important to daily family life. This is where children, both boys and girls, get a paternal guidance. And it's not usually just one uncle. A household may have eight or more, in fact. While the mother may be on the farm working, the uncles stay at home watching the kids. An arrangement that benefits them for when the men are older, their nieces and nephews will look after them. And as for their own sons and daughters raised in other houses, they are content, the men, just sending them an occasional gift, like clothes or something. 
Today, the tourism industry brings curious and sexually repressed visitors, male and female, mostly the ethnic Han Chinese, which is the majority of China. And these people all go to the Masao village because they want to see this kingdom of women. The free love aura of the Maso villages is very appealing. Han Chinese women find the rugged and exotic Maso men attractive, and they love the upfrontness about their interests and you know sexuality and whatever. Something that they may not be getting in their own society, you know, in the big cities and places where the Han Chinese are prominent. Now the Han men find this sort of sexual honesty appealing as well. But let's not look at the tourists as a bunch of horny lonelies, oh no. For, you see, the Maso culture relationships are more about love, and in places like, say, major cities, often relationships are based on more superficial things, like status, career, money, etc. Because of this influx of tourists, lots of the Maso villages make hotels slash convert rooms for out-of-town visitors, which brings positive and negative aspects to their towns. Tourism brings money and upgrades like electricity and a higher standard of living, but it also brings things like pollution, prostitution, and the altering of their natural village behaviors. They have to go entertain the tourists after all. It's this trade-off that seems to greatly affect the Maasai society on a whole. The steady encroachment of tourism forces many to feel their way of life once traditional, uninhibited, and quiet has turned into something just a little off. And with new perspective comes new ideas. Young Maasai women and men are drawn to the outside world partly because of its seduction of modern life, but also due to their own culture of being free to follow that which they want. But it seems for now that their own way of life, although changing in some regards, has enough draw of its own to keep a unique culture firmly within itself. And that's the story of the women's kingdom. Now, there are many deeper aspects of this society that I would need several episodes to go into, but I think I've given you the high and low of this alluring culture, and I implore you to check out more of the Maso. I'll link some references in the show notes so you can peruse them at your convenience. For me, though, I think this culture is really cool, and not just because of its focus on women as the head of the household, but because it's smack dab in the middle of a country where women are so often looked down upon. And it's not like the Maso society looks down upon men or hate them or some way out there feministic society. It's just a very respectful community. In fact, many men of the Maso do venture into neighboring towns to look for work. And I think this is due to them having opportunities that haven't been there in the past. You know, modern society presenting the opportunities of jobs. But, but it's also a way for them to maybe replace that lost aspect of their caravanning past. You know, the tasks that they were once primarily set to do. And when you compare the Maso's attitude to sexual encounters, relationships, and family life, it's so vastly different than most countries, and even in America. Can you imagine if this was the norm instead of the exception? Now, I'm not saying it's better or not, and I'm sure there are aspects of everyone's power structure that could be done better. It's just an interesting thing to think about. Well, heck, you know, I, th I even find it interesting to think about what if society was ruled by cats? 
A lot more litter boxes on every corner, I'm sure. But allow me to leave you one more bit of info to think about. And that being the haiku. Walking marriage is... Ladies night, every night, y'all. Chicks before son. And that's all for this time on Incredible Stories Podcast. Check out our main site for other cool stories on IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com. Send me an email with show suggestions or haikus, you know, whatever, just saying hey. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IncredPod. Rate us on iTunes and, uh, yeah, peep us out on YouTube and Stitcher. For Incredible Stories Podcast, I'm Josh, and remember, the journey of a thousand tales begins with the first word. Jesus.